How are we doing, One Church family? You guys all right? Man, it's great to see you today. My name is Blake. I'm the lead pastor, and there's so many brand new faces. We're just so glad that you made it. We, we hope you already feel right at home. And I want to say that to every single person that's joining us online. It is so great to have you all over the world. God's using this church to influence people, and we're just so happy that you would be a part of us no matter where you're at. So, um, man, I, I don't know about you all, but I can hear some chains falling. Woo, you guys ready to have some church? We got some soul up in here today. I just love it. I, I, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm actually, I'm believing God has something really special in store for us. And um, today's sort of one of those days where we're all just get to dance in the river. And so when I, when I say that, I, I need a picture for your minds, what I mean by that. My sweet uh, Ellie Blake, I'm a, I'm a grandpa. My, my little baby, she turns one in just a couple of weeks. She actually got to sit in a river for the very first time in Tennessee. And I, I feel exactly what you're fixing to see. Here's how I feel right now. <laughs> Come on. That is good stuff. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I just want to show off my grandbaby. That's it. And I'm the pastor, so I get to do that. <laughs> So um, I, I hope you showed up ready to uh, dance in the river because that's what we're going to do today. I actually, um, we're in a series right now that's called Go Love One. And uh, this is the third week of that series. And, and in this series, um, our heart has been uh, to do exactly that, to actually go love one person. And so every week we have actually asked you to um, grab one of these pieces of paper and to put a name on it of somebody that your heart has been burdened for. And maybe the Holy Spirit has prompted you to think of someone and you've written a name down on these pieces of paper. Now, these pieces of paper aren't just paper. They actually have seeds in them. And so these seeds are being planted in the courtyard and we're creating a flower garden so that when you come to our church, you can walk out in the courtyard and just stand over a prayer garden and pray for that person that's, that's God's placed on your heart to come to see and understand and have a relationship with Jesus. And so I just want you to know I'm also burdened with you. I'm praying with you. And it's been beautiful to already see those um, flowers planted. And so please take us up on that. And on your way out, grab one and write a name and we'll plant it for you this week, okay? So um, our, our heart in this series has been that by the end of this series... You'll have a better understanding of, of, of why we do what we do and who we are as a church. Like what makes us a unique body of Christ? And why did God put us here right here uh, in, in the south part of Atlanta? What, what's our goal and our purpose? And so I, I just want to tell you that the two verses that we've been talking about come from John 13, verses 34 and 35. And it says, a new command I give you. Here's the command. Are you ready? So all of the Old Testament hinges on, on this one command. It says, uh, love one another. Everybody say, love one another. As, as, if I, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then it says, by this, everybody say, by this. By this, you, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And then there's an if, and it's a big if. If you love one another. So how do we know if we're a disciple of Jesus? That's it. You got it right there. My man's listening. If we love one another. And so if we can get those three words right, love one another, like we'll be the very best church in the world. Um, that, that's not a small task. It's a massive task to actually do that. 
And so that's why our mission here is that we passionately love God and we intentionally love people. But if we can't, if we can't love people with great intention, then we're missing the entire point of the gospel of Jesus. And so my, my prayer is that God would, would actually prompt you to, to love somebody in your life, that he would stir in you, like you, you go grab lunch or you know, go, go play frisbee disc golf here on, on campus or go you know, do something intentional with somebody that'll build a relationship with people in your life. And I'm hoping and praying that God has used you already to go love at least one person. And hopefully, hopefully God is already using you. Here's the deal. I just want you to recognize that God has a plan and a purpose for you to use your voice and your influence to have maximum impact for the kingdom of God in a very real way. Do you guys believe that? Yeah. I've watched this happen in my family's life, and they're all sitting like right here. Um, my family this week has taken this very seriously. And I'd like to say it's because of my sermon. It probably is, but um, maybe not. But they, they actually have gone all over town. And like I've seen them at coffee shops, like complete strangers. If they look young at all, right? College age, young adult, they're like, oh, hi, you're a young person in Beach Street City. Like there's, that's not a lot. And so it's like, man, I want to invite you at the gym. I've watched you do this. And, and they have actually uh, invited uh, about everybody they can that's a college-age young adult to come and play pickleball with them on Monday nights. And this week, 27 people showed up. <laughs> come on. And then they all went and had dinner together, and it was just fantastic. Great conversation happened from that. But that, that's what it looks like. It's just going, what is it that I, I can do, God? How can you use me? And so um, I love that in this series, we've explained about the importance of sort of always staying balanced in three areas as a church. And those three areas are evangelism, discipleship, and mission. And so for us, we've named those three. Our strategy is to know God, which is evangelism, to grow deep, which is actually discipleship, and to go love, and that's being on mission. And so for me, I, I, I want that to be something we think about. It's on our heart. We, we talk about it as a staff and as elders because you've, you've gone to the church that's great at one of those three, but not great at all three, right? And it's important that we're not just growing numerically, but we're also at the same time discipling and, and making disciples, right? And so we have to be balanced in all three of those things. And that's true for every church on the planet. And so I don't know if you know this, but um, the very last words that, that God gave us come from Matthew 28, and it's called the Great Commission. And in the Great Commission, I just need you to know it's not a great suggestion. It's actually something that God said, I, I want you to co-mission with me. I want heaven to come from earth, be inside of you so that you can change the earth and as it is in heaven, right? We, we want to be like that, to go love God's people here, near, and far, right? To be intentional with God's people, both domestically in our town, but also internationally around the world. And so if you guys have your Bibles, study along with me in Matthew 28. It's the very last words right before he goes up on the mountain. And why did he go on the mountain? These are the last words in the Matthew 28. It's because he's already been crucified, murdered, right? And then he died. People watched that. And then he rose from the dead, and he's been walking around town. Like, people have bumped in to this guy that was dead for 40 days. And now there's this day where he's like, hey, come, come with me. I want you to come to this mountain, and I have something to say to you. So I think it's important what our creator said when he was on that mountain. Don't you think that's important? 
And so it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's interesting. I think today, you know, we, we uh, have a tendency to go, I can't believe they doubt God. I can't believe you don't doubt in Jesus. But if people, even then, who were there amongst the disciples and with Jesus, and they, they've known that he was dead and crucified and rose from the dead. Now they, they're standing in front of him. There's over 500 people. Now, maybe they changed their mind, <laughs> like after he actually like, you know, flew <laughs> and ascended into heaven. They're like, oh, maybe, I think maybe that's God. <laughs> He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Maybe that changed their mind. E- either way, it says that they, they doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, are you ready? Here's what Jesus said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make. Everybody say, go and make. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In my opinion... Way too many Western believers, followers of Jesus, are not on mission. We've turned Christianity into attending church and listening to a sermon. And when somebody asks you if you're a follower of Christ, a lot of times, what's our first answer that comes out of our mouth? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I go over to, you know, this church or that church, which I, I would say you're missing the point of the question. Like you were asked if you're a follower of Christ and the answer should always be yes. I have an incredible relationship with Jesus. He's changed my life and I, I wanna tell you about it, right? That's, that's our answer. We, we talk about the change that Jesus brings, not the church you belong to, right? The church is simply a vehicle that God uses to actually change the world, but you are actually the church, <laughs> right? It's not, it's not a place that you, you go. And so here, here at One Church, we are way more interested in an intimate relationship than hollow religion. And the way that I, I would say that, it's God's design. I'm fixing to preach. It, it's God's design to go and make, not sit and take. Yes. Amen. Am I stepping on toes yet? Okay, so Jesus himself asked every one of us. That was his thing. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, is that for the pastor only? No, right? That's, that's for every one of us. He, he told us he would be with us always and that he would fill us with the power and anointing of his spirit so that each of us will have maximum impact with our lives. So nobody here has permission to stay on the sidelines. I'm sorry. Every, every one of us have a place and a position on the field. I apologize if you thought that Christianity was a spectator sport. That's, that's not it. If that's what you think, maybe you should go to a, another church because that's not the way we roll here. At this church, here at One Church, we don't sit and take, we go and make. And so today I'm calling this talk, Go and Make. And here's what I want you to say to the person beside you. You can snap your finger and say, you better get off your ear and do something. All right, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. With attitude, say that. <laughs> Some of you said that with a little bit too much. <laughs> Downward church, be kind. So, so something that um, we've been talking about and, and trying to explain in this series that you are. 
the church, and you are the message. The church is not where we go, it's who we are. So let me say it like this. When we attend church, the church is going to church. And when we leave church, guess what? The church has left the building. I hope you get that. I really, I just want us to realize that God has placed you exactly where you are in your life. It's not by chance. He, he has you right where you're supposed to be so that you can bring heaven to earth wherever you go. I love how Paul did that in Athens. I don't know if you've ever caught this, but in Acts 17, it says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. I, I love that. My man's just chilling at Publix, right, or Walmart, and whoever happened to be around, right, I don't know if it was the clerk or the grocery guy or the person that was like, you know, making arrangements for flowers, who, whoever and wherever he was, my man went to work, and he recognized God's put him there on purpose, and so I, I just need you to hear, just like Paul, we belong to God, and he lives inside of you. So no matter where we are and whoever happens to be around, we are here to be salt and light, to influence the culture or environment that God has placed us in. It's not a mistake that you're in the neighborhood or the environment where you work at your, at your work or your dorm room. It's, it's not by chance. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So I want you to walk and live and believe that that's actually true. That where you are, the hope of glory shows up. When people bump into you, they bump into the church. And I hope that they see, taste, and feel what the gospel message of Jesus is really all about. Is anybody hearing me today? Let me say it like this. Your life is a sermon. And sometimes the only gospel message that your friends will ever hear and see is you. So that... that makes me have to ask a question. How, how are you living? Do, do people understand who God is because they met you? Do people understand that you are preaching a message by the way that you live? Do people actually know God more because of your presence? Are they growing deep in the word of God because you're teaching them? And are they understanding the mission of going in love because of the way that you love? So here's the big question that I want us to consider today. Are you using your time, your talent, and your treasures to honor God with the incredible life that he has given you? Because at the end of our lives, I think that's it. I think it's really just about knowing God and making him known. And so the big question is, did you honor God? Was my time actually... You know, from the time I woke up to the time I laid my head down in the pillow, did I use it in a way that honored my Heavenly Father? Was my talents, my gifts and abilities, were those used in a way that was for the glory of God? And my, my treasure, right, all of my money and my, my resources, was it used for kingdom purposes? Or did I, did I just spend all that on myself? Was my time me time? And was my talents for my glory? And my treasure, well, and my money, well, you know, frankly, that's none of your business how I spend my money. And I, I would humbly submit to you that all business is God's business. Because 
All money is kingdom money because it all belongs to him. So I'll ask you again, are you using your time, your talent, and your treasure to go love the world? Whew, this is pretty heavy. I want to talk to you about love. Love, love is hard. And I'm in people business. People are messy, right? We, we all need a lot of grace. And we all mess up bad. And so loving people is no joke. And there's two parts to love. One, one of is giving love. And the other kind of love is actually receiving love. And they're both incredibly hard. Every one of us has this like vulnerable mission that we're sent on into the world to actually like go and, and give love and be love. And letting yourself be loved, it's like this terrifying vulnerable act of like surrender. For me, I'd much rather give love than to receive it. Can I get an amen? Like have you ever been hurt or something? You couldn't do anything? You couldn't help around the house or whatever? It's like awful to have to like be loved because you can't do anything for yourself. But man, for the people that are getting the privilege to love you, it's a gift from God. When we get to love people that can't help themselves, it's, you're the one that's always blessed, Right? It's always true. And so it, how, how many of you would say that giving love and being loved is the most important work that we have, yeah. right? That's it. And it's, it's this beautiful and exhausting exchange of yourself with one another. And the most important things that we have on this planet, the greatest treasure that we have are all actually invisible. Things like grace, gentleness, peace, love, joy, Right? Those, those things are like the building blocks of every great society, of every great community, and every great church, and every great family. If you have those things alive in your home, you're going to build an incredible house. And people will be attracted to that because that's what the world is actually looking for. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you have, have realized that, man, I thought I was on this quest to have great fame and notoriety and big, big house and big money, right? And checking account that's impressive. But I, I don't think any of that goes with us after this life is over. I, I think all we really have is, is love. That's it. In fact, it says this um, in 1 John three fourteen. we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Wow, you're literally the walking dead if, if you don't have love. So let, let me explain if you're struggling to get your head around that. Maybe you've never been touched by the love of God. Maybe you've never actually experienced what it's like to, to have his unconditional agape love, no conditions, no strings attached, to like touch your heart that kind of love, you don't deserve it, right? But God thinks you're worth it. And, and what's crazy to me is that anybody can get it. And, and not just that, no matter what sin you've committed, right? I don't care who it is sitting in jail and what they've done, God gives them this amazing grace. How sweet the sound, right? Every single person gets the same exact amount 
And that's jacked up. I'm a pastor. I should get more. Right? It seems, I'm not kidding. It seems scandalous and irresponsible. I'm like, God, are you, are you serious? Like, you're going to love every, every, every human equally? And, and he just lavishes his love on us. He gives it with, he doesn't hold back. He never says, oh, I, I'm not giving, no, no. He, he just like pours it on. And that kind of love, it changes you. Nobody can receive that kind of love and remain the way that they used to be. Amen. There's an old person, an old flesh man inside of Blake that I know him well. But I decided to kill him. He's dead. He was buried in Christ and now he's raised to life. And he's a brand new creation. And I like that dude a lot. He's a good man. And I don't know if you've experienced the fact that you can actually be transformed by the love of God, but it's very real. And you can have it today. It's absolutely free. And so what, what's crazy is once you have experienced that kind of love, Jesus kind of ruins your life. He changes you for the better. His life becomes our life. His power, it becomes our power. His heart becomes our heart. His mind, the way he thinks, becomes the way we think. His words become our words. And his love, it becomes so much our love that the very love of God that he places inside of us is actually what's sent into the world and the world desperately needs it. They're, they're living in despair, living in hatred. There's sexual immorality. There's all kinds of anger and bitterness. And this world is torn apart by the chaos of sin right now. And, and the God of the universe is saying to you right now, would you step into that? Would you help the world understand who I am by the way that you love? It, it's on us. It's up to us. The church is called by God to be the love of God. Let me say it like this. We are loved by God to be love for God. Now, I don't know why he would think that that's his best plan because I know me and he's trusting me to be a representative of his love. And he's trusting you to do the same thing. Loving people, it's no joke. It's not for the faint of heart. But if the goal is to intentionally love people, then we've got to figure it out. We, we have to recognize that even though every single relationship has hurt and damage and rejection and frustration and we get impatient with each other, those moments are actually the defining moments when you step into that conflict and go, we're not gonna blow up like the world does. We're not gonna have anger and hatred after this. After this, me and you are gonna be closer. We're gonna walk through this together and I, I'm not gonna you know, be like you know, the Bible that says if you, if you try to act like God but you don't have love, then you're just a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. You're just loud and noisy, right? The proof of our love for God is by the way we love his people. It's the litmus test. So you tell me, oh man, I love God so much, but you're not loving his people? I'm like, yeah, maybe not. But you show me somebody that's loving his people radically, I'll say, yeah, they, they love God. That's God right there in the flesh, right? Am I crazy up here or is that truth? So I, I just need you to hear that God's, not impressed 
with the person that's the loud clinging symbol that can talk a big game and knows the word of God and can spout every scripture. But when it comes to actually like, you know, having compassion and caring for the least of these, if they're, they're just doing motions, it's just hollow religion and it's phony. It's not real. When you want to see the real deal, you're always going to see love because God is love. And when his God is in us, you're going to experience love. God's not impressed with the knowledge that's puffed you up. God's not impressed with, you know, your, your religion that you're so proud of and you just have to be right. What God impresses God is one thing. Do you know me? Are we friends? Did, did you know me and did you make me known? Did, did you actually have intimacy with me? It's pretty telling that most people turn away from God because of other Christians. And it's usually not because of bad theology. It's because way too often God's followers don't have love. And, and you might say, yeah, but Pastor Blake, you know, I, I just have one question for you. What's love got to do, got to do with it? And I'd say everything. Love has everything to do with it. And so have you ever forgotten what it looks like to actually love the world? Do you hurt for widows? Do you hurt for single moms? Does your heart burden for homeless and hungry people? Does it pain you that little girls are being trafficked while we're sitting here in church by, by evil men that are doing horrible things? Right? Does your heart break for the things that break the heart of God, because if it does, the pain of humanity leads us to do something. We go and make. We do not just sit and take. Amen? And so I, I want to tell you yesterday, I saw this happen in, like, in person. I saw this church preach the very best sermon that I've ever seen you preach. We had one of the very best go love days that I have ever seen. And so if you don't mind, I want to show you what that looked like watching this video. You guys want to watch it? All right. planning that and talking about it since February and meeting over there and talking about what to do. And it take, there's a lot that goes into one of those. And I couldn't be more proud of my staff and the 100 plus volunteers that showed up one time. Will you let them know how, how thankful you are for the love of God that they showed? 
They literally demonstrated the hands and feet of Christ. And I'll tell you, in this world, not a lot of churches play well together. We don't actually go and serve another church, right? But because of the money that you gave, you invested $10,000 into somebody else's church. And I, th- I think that's just the beginning, actually. Because after we got there, there was some real mold issues in their kitchen. And we realized their kitchen was really bad. And um, I was walking with somebody that goes to this church that was serving. And I was, he was telling me about his life and some of the struggles he's up against. And one of his kids has been hurt. And then he said, and another thing, my house is a wreck. Because um, my, my wife is a designer. And that's problematic because it gets very expensive for all the furniture. And, and he goes, and now she wants to change the entire kitchen. And I was like, what'd you say? Do you, so where, where, where's that? Do you have the cabinet still? And he goes, yeah, they're all sitting in my garage. I go, well, that's funny. It was nine o'clock, right? We had just got there like, let me show you something. So we walk into the kitchen like, they really need a kitchen. Do you, do you think you would want to give it to them? And he goes, yeah, I'll do that. And so I was like, well, can you go get it right now? <laughs> so they literally, that turned into what they did. Three truckloads of bringing one of the most incredible kitchens you've ever seen. And so now we have to put it in. And so if you're a carpenter and you know how to put in cabinets, hi, I'm Blake. Need your help this week. And uh the floors are going to be finished and they're going to put, you know, stain down and then we'll, we'll start putting it back together. But um, the church was just blown away. Pastor Charles was here this morning and um, it's, it's Robert who's actually cleaned this church for years and years and years and he's like a brother to us. We love him. He's our staff here. And so it's just beautiful to see us get to go to the church that he grew up in since he was 12 years old. And now today their entire church came to go to church with us and they're leading us in worship. Isn't that just a beautiful story? I mean, come on, go God. So it makes, it makes this text in 1 John 3 seem so much more real. It says, this is how we know what love is. You guys want to know what love is? It's Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. If any of you has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? That's a tough question. This isn't me. This is the Bible. How can the love of God be in you? Dear children, let us not love with what? Words or tongue, but everybody say it, but with actions and in truth. I think this is where the term actually came from, words are cheap. If your words don't match your willingness to sacrifice, then please, for the love of God, stop talking. Like, intention without action is nothing more than a useless dream. Stop stop intending to do good and actually start doing good. Like, take action and go love. Go love your neighbor. Go love your coworkers. Go love your school. Go love your roommate. Let's just go love. God's anointed you for such a time as this. This this isn't rocket science. It's simple. He's 
given you a plan and a purpose, right? We have a group of people that come here every Monday night and they play Frisbee disc golf together, right? I, I love that. There's a lot of people that have this like interest group. So like whatever it is, like maybe you play golf or maybe you knit. Just think about something that you love to do and say, hey, I, I love you know, dog poodle grooming. Would you come to my house and we'll groom poodles? I love doing that, right? Whatever it is, God's created you for a specific design and a specific purpose. And so I I just want to say to you, you are on mission. You are co-missionaries committed to bringing the kingdom of God to earth. And so I I would just ask you, are, are you? Is that true? Do you feel like when you look at your time, talent, and treasure, are, are you on mission? And are you living for, for the kingdom of God or only living for yourself? If there's anybody in this church that I think does this really well, it's my dear friend, Brian Kaiser. And today, since we're talking about what it looks like to be a missionary, I really am fired up to tell the story of what God has done through one of our very own and how he uses him in his ministry called God's Eyes International. And I I want you to hear this story. So I want you to start by watching this video. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. shall see God available today. Brian Kaiser, everybody, come on. I'd also like to recognize Jen Kaiser. Where's Jen? Is Jen in the house? Where are you, Jen? There she is. We love you, Jen. 
So they're a massive part of this church, and I look up to Brian in many ways. Um, his faith really inspires me. He's been all over the world um, giving out glasses on his ministry called God's Eyes, and he literally helps people see. And so what's bizarre is God's timing is providential, and we've known that we were going to have this meeting of Go Love Day, and I wanted him to talk about this day, and it just so happens that literally this week he got a, his, his book that he's been working on for the past two years, and so today... Um, our church gets to celebrate the launch of his book for the very first time called They Shall See God. And so, man, that's fi- it fires me up. So, um, Brian, I, I, just, I just know that you um, have toiled over this and your story is so beautiful. And I'm super excited to tell our church family what your story is really about and how it happened. But tell us why you took the time, you know, during the pandemic to like put your story down to write, they, they shall see God. Why, why did you write it? Okay, good, it's working. <laughs> um, I wrote it for three quick reasons. The first and foremost was um, both my grandfathers died before I was two years old. I never knew anything about them. So. I always thought if they had written a book or kept diaries, I would eat that up. Yeah. I would love to know who they were and what they did. So Psalm 78 verse 4 says, we should tell the next generations the glorious works of God and about his might and the wonders he has done. So I want to let my grandchildren know their grandfather's story. Yes, I love that. So let me ask you something else. When, you, when people read this, what do you think will happen when they read the book? What do you expect to see happen in people's lives? I, I hope most of all it'll show people that um, God uses ordinary people. Yeah. People who haven't gone to seminary to share the good news of the gospel of Christ. And he uses ordinary people to go love and help other people. What's beautiful is that's, that's Brian's story. I, I'd like to brag on you for a second. Can I do that? So, Do I have a choice? <laughs> actually, no. Um, so he, he actually was a very, very successful and wealthy uh, optometrist. Did I say that right? Optometrist. Optician, sorry. <laughs> and he had three clinics where he actually tested people and gave eyesight. And, you know, he, he has done that his whole life. He gave his life to that. And he was actually sitting in a sermon at this church when we were actually meeting in the brick at the gym. And he was sitting there and he felt convicted by the Holy Spirit. He was prompted and he was told, I want you to sell your practice and go help people see. And so he's given himself to go give glasses away to the world. How long now have you done that? 17 years ago that happened. 17 years ago. So he's literally one of our, you know, we, we call it son, sons and daughters of the faith that was birthed from here and sent to go have maximum impact with his influence. And so he knew glasses. That's what he knows. And so he went to go do that. No, no training, right? Like, no, you just like God said it. And so you did, that seems really crazy. And it makes me uncomfortable that you have gone, how many countries have you been in now, Brian? 
I don't even know. We've held about, we've been to close to 400 villages around the world and garbage dumps. Wow, 400 yeah. villages. And how many pairs of glasses have you handed out in those 17 years? Uh, I don't know. Um, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> but millions. Perhaps. I'm, per I'm he's, he's so humble. I love that. Well, you, you, One Church, are one of the biggest supporters of this man and his incredible ministry. So I can't thank you enough for, for doing the work that you do to invest in mission here so that people like Brian, and we have 13 different missionaries that we support, people like Brian are able to go and do what God's called him to do. And so my, my, my question for you right now is, um, do you think that just giving somebody glasses, does that really change people's lives? Does that transform people, just giving them a pair of glasses? Yes. <laughs> How, how many hours do I get to talk? Um, is that picture up on the screen somewhere? Uh, here, here's an example that just happened to us when we were in Tanzania a couple weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Uh, th three weeks ago. Three. Yeah, it just happened. Yeah. yeah. This is a guy named um, Hamasi. He's 71 years old. And when he walked in, he's a little guy, maybe four and a half, five feet tall. And I don't think he weighs 60 pounds. He just doesn't have much to eat. And uh, he was bent, his broken, his clothes were tattered and torn. He had uh, sandals on and his feet were just caked in filth and, and calloused. And I could tell he's had an arduous journey in life. And um, he came in, his eyes were um, inflamed. They needed a lot of help, he couldn't see. In fact, when he walked in, I said, he looks like death incarnate. Yeah. And I said, I hope he doesn't get in my line. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> Anyways, here's what eyeglasses can do. After giving him, examining him his eyes, giving him new glasses, giving him drops to help the pain go away, and telling him about Jesus, this is what happens to a person. The gift of... Wow. Wow. That, that's like two different people. Right? Yeah, two entirely different people. Yeah. He needs a dentist, so if someone wants to come on my next trip, that'd be great. <laughs> but I have 100,000 stories just like that. Yeah. The gift of sight is important, but the gift of eternal life is even greater. Oh, yeah. And that's what we do. We share both. I don't know about you, but I want to go, yeah. right? So, so next summer in, in 2023... Would you take us on a trip? Yes. Okay. All right. Is everybody invited? Everybody's invited. Okay. Well, that's great because we have a lot of Delta pilots, so we'll just fill up a lot of planes. Yeah, yeah. We may need a bigger plane. But, uh. <laughs> so uh, where would we go? Like Guatemala? <laughs> I should probably take you there because you keep saying that. Is it, where is it at? Uh, I thought we'd go to Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Yeah, because it's a great place to go for... A first-time mission trip. Do they have to have, like, you know, eye, eye experience? Or? No, because I'll tell you what. When we hold a free eye clinic, hundreds or even a thousand people will show up. Mm -hmm. And we need so much help. Just to keep order, we need someone who will keep the kids amused while their parents stand in line for 8 or 12 hours. 
Yeah. Um, we need people. We need people to pray with them. We set up prayer teams at all our clinics. Oh, that's awesome. Because after I give a pair of glasses, I I always say the glasses you're about to receive are a free gift from Jesus. Do you know who He is? And if they don't, I send them to a prayer team. Oh, I love that. And so they can hear about it. If they do, I go. What can I pray about for you then? Well, Brian, I think on behalf of our church, our elders and our staff, we want you to know that we could not be more proud of you. And we love you. And I, I want to ask you, how can we as a church help be like, like your, your sales team? We'll be the marketing team, right? <laughs> we're, we're all brand ambassadors for this guy. So what, what, how can we promote your book? Well, I joked first service, you can buy it. <laughs> but... Um, if you do get the book and you like it, go share it on your social media pages. Go to Amazon and leave a review. Um, go to Barnes and Noble. In fact, right now, uh, as of last night, it Amazon wrote me and said you're the number one selling book. Shut up! Come on! I had no idea. Wait, wait. in the spiritual category. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. We'll take it. Yeah. Watch out, you know, John Mitchell or something. Like that. <laughs> Anyways, um, but it's back-ordered already. As of last night, Amazon wow. has back-ordered it. Wow. And, uh, but it is available on barnesandnoble.com okay. right now. And it is available on ebook on both those. Yeah, uh, so let's pull the QR code up. Um, I need you guys to pull out your phones in church. It's okay. And you can take a picture of that, and it'll pull up a link where you can go to the book. But... Here's what happened this week. I called Brian and I was like, man, how, I just want to ask you, how many books do you have? And he said, I think all I have left is 200 books. And I was like, I don't want our church to have to stand in line. I don't want people to walk away because they were waiting to try and pay for it. How about we do this? And I did ask for permission from the elders, but I said, can we just buy all those 200 books? And Brian was like, wow, shut up. Please, that's so kind. You know, you can hear him. So, so today, for every family here, we want you to walk out and grab one for fi per family, okay? We want to bless you with that. Yeah. Somebody's standing up. Come on. Yeah. So, <laughs> come on. So, um, yeah. They love you. They're proud of you. So, um, if you want to get one for your friends, just you know, take a shot of that QR code and buy two or three and give them away because I believe God is going to profoundly use Brian's impact and influence for the kingdom of God. And we're just so honored that you're a representation of our body to be sent out into the world as an actual, you know, hands and feet of the love of God. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, thank you. <laughs> and Blake, thanks for giving me this opportunity and thank you guys because... Um, a portion of every dollar you send in goes to giving a poor person somewhere the gift of sight mm. and the chance to hear the gospel of Christ. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to you guys. Thank One you. more time, everybody. Let Brian know you love him. Come here, my man. I love you. <laughs> love you, love you. So 
I've, I've read the book, and I just want to warn you, you're going to be laughing, and then a few minutes later, you're going to be crying. It's a pa- powerful book. I just have some closing thoughts. Um, I, I want to challenge you as your pastor that now in, in this series, you've heard our mission and our vision. You kind of know what we're about. I'd ask you to, to partner with us. I'd ask you to really consider like, I want to I want to dive in. I want to be a part of it. I want to find my place and serve for the kingdom of God. Um, next week, we have a really special thing in store for you. And we're going to close this series out with a young whippersnapper of a, of a pastor. He um, is our new youth pastor, Luke Troyanic, and he happens to be my son-in-law. And so... It's his very first time to ever preach to big people. And so um, I, I am believing God's going to use him in a powerful way. And I, I want to support him. It's not just that. We're also calling it student takeover. And so the students are going to come in and they're going to run the whole show. They're going to lead us in worship and um, they're going to help us in communion. It's going to be re- really special. And so uh, I, I just want you to know something. I don't care if you feel like you don't have what it takes. I don't care if you feel like maybe God, God couldn't use me. I'm, I'm worthless. Like, you don't know what I've done. And I, I would just say to you, that's a lie from the enemy of darkness. That the devil always wants to whisper in your ear and tell you what you're not. He wants to tell you that you, you um, don't have, you know, the, the goods to be able to actually serve in, in a church. And I, I would just say to you this, that God didn't put you on this planet to just sit and take. He puts you here to go and make. And so I, I want you to say yes to God. So here's my last and final question for you. What is your yes? What's your yes? Maybe it's mowing your elder's lawn. Maybe it's inviting your elder to come over and have a meal with you because you've lived by him forever and you don't know him. Maybe it's time for you to go, I, I'm gonna actually invest in the next generation. Like I, I love hanging with kids. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go serve in kids ministry. I'm gonna you know, lead worship to the little children. Or maybe for you it's serving in Awana and helping out on our Wednesday night to teach people the word, little kids, the word of God. Maybe for you, it's saying, I do want to help Luke because Luke's on fire and God's moving in our student ministry in a powerful way. And I want to help our students understand who Christ is. Maybe for you, it's just saying yes to, you know what? I'm going to serve coffee. Maybe you need to say yes to, I'm going to be at the front door and I'm going to greet people and I'm going to welcome them. I'm going to hug them. I'm going to, out in the parking lot, I'm going to let them feel the love of God before they walk in the door. Maybe your yes is saying, I want to help with the creative team. Like, there's teenagers that are up there running those cameras. Like, if they can do it, maybe, maybe I could. Maybe, maybe I could help with tech, or maybe I could help with the, the singing and the sound, and maybe I could help push buttons. I, I don't know what your yes is, but I want you to ask God, God, what, what did you make me for? What's, what's my purpose? Do you have a plan for my life? I, I want us to stop talking and start doing as your pastor, I just, it's my job to mobilize mission, right? To send you out into the world as, as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. It's called the apest. 
Those five things are what God puts in us to go and be the kingdom of God in the world. So I, I want you to recognize that I, I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm just trying to say, hey, I'm, I want to give you a nudge. And I need to give you permission to go serve the living God. Because it's the best part of being here. It's the best part. Don't believe the lies that you're not good enough to help other people. That, that's not true. Live your life like every single moment and every second actually matters. That you're here to be a representation of heaven and that God wants to use you. So make your life count. Live for what really matters. To know God and to make him known. Right? We, we don't want to just be people like, God loves you. It sure does. Yep, bye-bye. Right? God has the best for you. He, we love you too. Oh, yes, we do. But then to never actually like do that. Like, that's not who we are. Let's show up. Let's prove it. Let's be, let's be present. Because I believe your ministry is only as effective as you are present. If you're engaged with the Spirit of God, you better believe people are going to feel that. They're going to know that. And so I just need to tell you today, I, I can't wait to see and hear about the incredible ministry that God's fixing to give you. You all have a ministry. We just have to be aware and ask God, what is it? What is it? Because I, I think that it's time for us to say yes. And this week, I believe God's going to give something, an opportunity. I, I call it being blessed with a burden. And he's be like, yeah, that, that's you. You're up. And I, I want to challenge you to don't shrug it off. Don't be apathetic. Don't be cynical and jaded. Instead, say yes. Yes. I'm in. Let's love people with great intention, with everything that we are. Because that's what we do. That's how we roll. Because that's who we are. I, I want to challenge you, church, one last time. Don't, don't just be about words. Let's, let's love in action and in truth. Can I get an Amen. Let me pray. Father God, we love you. You're our heavenly Father. And we want to honor you today. We give you all the praise and glory for letting us be a church that loves other churches, that helps people with uh, adverse poverty. Uh, not just here in our town. There's crazy poverty right underneath our nose, right here. Help us wake up to it. Help us serve at I-58. Help us be a part of real life. The, the missions that are right here helping homeless in, in, in Atlanta. Lord, help, help us just wake up to your cause and you, your kingdom. Let, let us have a heart like yours, Father. Let us break for the things that break yours. And so, Lord, wake us up to us. Help us see it. And then, Lord, prompt us to say yes. Help us not walk away. Lord Jesus, you stopped. Jesus, you stopped. You would see the least of these. You would see the woman that was bleeding and you would stop. You would see the lepers and you would stop. Help us not to keep going and just flippantly go past. Instead, help us stop and say yes. Lord Jesus, you, you have given us great potential and great purpose. So we give you all of our time. We give you all of our talents. And we, we give you our treasure. And today we surrender it to you. 
And may, may you, Lord Jesus, use our hands and feet to be a representative of the kingdom of heaven. Lord Jesus, let us not just sit and take. Instead, send us out to go and make. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said.